Welcome to B2B Sales Trends, the podcast dedicated to sales leaders in the B2B space, where we share conversations about innovative and successful sales transformations to keep you up to date on the latest trends. This podcast is brought to you by Global Performance Group. Welcome to yet another fabulous episode of the B2B Sales Trends, the podcast that brings you hacks, tips, and thought leadership for sales, marketing, and customer success. It's brought to you by Global Performance Group, a revenue improvement boutique that implements behavior change through a hybrid ecosystem of application-focused training solutions, scalable technology, and expert coaching in order to empower all customer-facing people to create, shape, and sell value at an elite level. My name is Harry Kendelbacher, and today I have with me Sasha Clark, the CEO of Clutch Creative. Welcome to the B2B Sales Trend Podcast, Sasha. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. Sasha, as a way to start this interview off, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you could. For sure. No, I um, really appreciate the opportunity. So I'm the founding partner of of Clutch Creative, and I originally got my start in branding, actually working with individuals. Um, Now we do corporate branding, but on the individual side, um, I got started there about 10 years ago and um, was lucky enough to work with people that were known internationally. Um, And I feel like this is one advantage of technology and being young and having that be okay. Um, that's right when social media was really starting to come out as something that could be right. used to garner public opinion and to essentially, that was, a, that was a brand, right? Like this is the, the time that like Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian are really figuring this out. And you have, a, you know, international figures, C-suite executives that are like, Hey, wait a minute, how can I take advantage of this? And at that point in time, they were willing to trust like a 19 year old punk kid with their, national social media presence. Um, And that then rolled into their national and international media presence and the public relations on that side. So over the last 10 years, I really enjoyed being able to do um, some quite honestly, absolutely insane (laughs) different situations. Um, Everything from presidential rallies with 32 hours notice and international scandal that we had to navigate. There was, I know it sounds a little sick and twisted, but a lot of that was actually really quite fun and being able to make sure that effective communication and a brand um, was communicated clearly. And there are about a thousand different touch points that really demonstrate what a brand for a person or a corporation really looks like. And Mm -hmm. as we started diving into realizing that that was something that we actually really liked and were quite good at, um, mostly because we had so much respect for what a brand, a proper brand could really do to the value of a product or a person or a corporation Mm -hmm. and the impact that they would be able to have. So that's when we started founding um, Clutch Creative because we realized we might be like young punk kids but most of this technology hasn't been around that much longer than we have. Right. And so we're going to go ahead and take advantage of it uh, and just run before anyone asks us, you know, where we got the audacity to do it. <laughs> right, right. Lovely. Great introduction. Um, you mentioned the brands a few times now. And, and, and as I understand it, it's, a lot of it is about the consistency one has with, uh, with, uh, with branding. 
Let's talk about that a little bit. And what is brand consistency in your opinion and how does it impact the way that sales teams operate? Absolutely. So brand consistency is essentially when we talk about organizations that are name brand that you're, you're willing to pay more money for. So, and the, the age old, but still a very good example is Nike. You're willing to pay for that Nike swoosh and they're just tennis shoes. There's tennis shoes all over the world, but you're willing to pay for a brand. And that is a brand done really well. You can walk into a Nike store and not see their logo anywhere. And you know, it's a Nike store. Same with any Fortune 100 company that is really implementing their brand. Um, you'll see that consistency and the power in that consistency. But brands take it even a step further. I'll use, I'll use an example for... Um, we, you know, we were talking about the NBA a little bit earlier off script. I was at a game and I was looking at one of the one of their main... MVP players. And all of a sudden up on the screen, they started showing his Twitter feed and he had gone to a basketball clinic that was full of a bunch of fifth and sixth graders. Um, and over the weekend and just randomly showed up and took pictures with them and just encouraged them to continue who they they were, what they did. And for this MVP players brand, he did not have to do that. That was not part of his contract. He was not paid to be there. But it spoke to his brand as being a community leader, right. someone who truly cared about the community. And it was just that level of thoughtfulness. It's mm. the brands to the next level. So then how does that work out for corporations? Because mm. nowadays, everyone expects their corporations to have a personality. We almost hold them accountable to that level, right? We want to make sure that their beliefs are somewhat consistent with ours. We want to make sure, you know, everything from child labor and, you know, bad press days that, you know, make your stock plummet and then it comes back up a few weeks later because somebody on the PR team figured out how to make it work. Um, That brand consistency for sales teams um, can go really down to the different levels of thoughtfulness. Um, It's funny as I was just kind of sitting here and getting ready, I was looking around my desk and I was looking at um, even like our, like our little note cards that we'll send out to like future clients. It's like, I have a stack of these and they say all sorts of different things. And so I can send them out at a moment's notice. And it's just something that, okay, if I have a meeting with you and the next day you're getting a box in the mail from me with this handwritten note and, you know, I've got some cute little snack in there that's on brand or whatever that means. It's just another level of a personality of an organization that you start to then trust. For a lot of our companies, we're a dime a dozen. I'm a right. firm. Like, congratulations, there's thousands of us. So right. how do we set ourselves apart on the right. brand side? And I think that's a question that everyone has to ask is why you? And then right. once you answer that question, how is that being portrayed in every single sales asset or customer-facing asset going forward? And that's really where like the devil's in the details and where a lot of business owners and sales teams, they're too busy running the day-to-day to think about the overall and overarching plan that's truly going to make their life easier. So that's where mm. I'd love to see the brand consistency and the brand elevation truly that allows them to do what they do even better. Right. right. Very interesting. And, and a couple of really nice examples in there too. You know, what are, what, what are some of the things or, or more examples uh, that you have in mind that salespeople should be doing to really ensure that their brand remains consistent through their engagement with, you know, let's say prospects or, and, or, and or customers. What are some of those things? 
Great question, because it's all about that application. How does this work for me? Um, what we do is we document every step of the customer process, right down from, okay, these leads are coming in from, I don't know, these we'll, say, we'll pick a round number, 10 different sales mm. levels. Right. What does step one through step 25 look like? And it's a very interesting exercise that most do not do. Um, right. Once you take a look at step one, making sure step one is on brand, on point, and really leads them to step two. And then continuing on that exercise, you'll find your sales funnels are clearer, faster, and just executed in general better. And then making sure that aesthetically please, everything is aesthetically pleasing. We're visual creatures. We can't help it. That's not like a, right. not a, a negative towards humanity. That just is how we are. So making sure that the brand is executed beautifully and, and whether your brand is we're quirky and we're weird and we like it or we're world-class and we have 50 years of street cred and don't you dare second guess us, you know, there's different personalities that a brand should have and really leaning into whatever it is. And one thing I love about the global economy is we have so much to embrace this authenticity and this perspective. Um, I actually really appreciated when I was talking with Mm -hmm. you and your team about how to make sure that this would be something successful for you. And you guys said, just be yourself. And to me, that is such a tribute to also the golden global performance brand is like authentically yourself. Um, And so whatever you decide your, your personal brand is going to be um, lean in, don't have it. Don't feel like you need to be something you're not because people will sniff that out in six seconds. So just really go ahead and grasp that and then also document it. We've worked with so many executives where this brand and this idea or even, you know, a, 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 the entire C-suite it is in their mm. head. They have hundreds of people below them that are executing and that are working through those details. Um, there's another really relatable example. When you go to Disneyland, who are the most engaged with people that you would think when you're at Disneyland? Um, and it's actually when Disney did the study, um, it was the people that were sweeping, that were cleaning up the trash and that were doing things. Interesting. They were getting asked the most questions because everyone else is working. They're busy. They're going. And these core people were getting asked the most questions. And so then for right. Disney in turn, their thought process was, well, we, we better make sure that they're trained up enough in what the Disney experience is and having answers to those questions so that when our customers are interacting with them, apparently the most, um, right. they're, they're having the experience, the world-class experience we want them to have. So now there's a whole training program for just that specific um, job. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely fascinating to, to continue to see examples of where brands were really, really intelligent um, and thoughtful. I think we're going to see a whole nother different demographic is, you know, there's been some buzzwords that have been floating around with metaverse and NFTs and, and we won't get into that today, but in, in, in all honesty, that's just another level of brand development where we as a corporate global economy are going to have to really understand how to interact with a consumer on an even deeper level and make sure we convince them that, Hey, this is where you want to be. I'm going nowhere else. Right. And, and I love that one of our, our, our clients is really uh, their, their motto is you got to put yourself in the shoes of the, of the customer first. So many companies these days are coming up with these wonderful ideas, with these wonderful products or solutions that they think they can sell to them. 
but really it's got to be linked into what the customer needs, what they are looking for. And I feel like what you've been talking about is really about how do we create the right customer experience that is then directly linked to uh, uh, to the marketing efforts and the branding efforts, so to speak. Interesting. Very interesting. Lots of fun Right, right, right. Um, what, what recommendations do you have for sales teams? Let's bring it back a little bit to, to, to the sales and, and, and branding connection here. What recommendations would you have, would you say, uh, to sales teams that are, that are really seeking to be more strategic about the way they are integrated uh, uh, into uh, you know, their branded assets throughout the sales cycle? What, what, what is it that you could provide as insights uh, to those folks? No, uh, happy to answer that. So oftentimes when we are, our, our graphic designers or our videographers are creating content that the sales team can use in a consistent and, and really world-class displayed way that will communicate quickly with the audience that they're trying to target. Um, yeah. I, I love to, to talk in examples because I feel like that's more, the most helpful. Um, oh, absolutely. We have um, a few clients that are in the venture capitalist phase. And right. if you are trying to get the attention of someone who is worth millions of dollars, you have mm. maybe three seconds to really capture them and get them to keep looking before they just move on. And so yeah. it's been really quite interesting to us is we're working with sales teams or businesses that are looking to get capital um, to create mm. assets that within 60 seconds can describe why they would like you to either invest millions of dollars or sell mm. you a seven-figure product um, and getting that, that foot in the door. Um, whether that's being sent on you know, LinkedIn messages or, or via email or some other very creative way, um, that truly you are only as good as the assets you put out. And so we're spending a lot of time and effort and making sure that any of our sales assets really doing an in-depth and analysis on the effectiveness of them. And sometimes that means asking tough questions. Like when you don't get the sale, asking why or who bought it instead and comparing yourself. Um, we have, when we will, when we build out brands, there is a portion of our brand build out that includes a competitive analysis. And on that analysis, we include, we call it the love it and hate it list. It's people that you want to beat out and people you want to be like when you grow up. And we pull an analysis on how they look on every platform from Wikipedia, to their recent press interviews to their social pages and their swag. We put that and compile that all together. And we say, here's where everyone else is doing really, really well. And here's where there are holes in the market that you could fully take advantage of. And I think just as much as a, a person understanding your self-analysis and, and, the, and the parts of your personality and your work ethic that are your strengths and also some opportunities, corporations need to be doing that as well as part of their sales funnel and right. really looking at every single step and saying, is this our best foot forward? And I've, I've found in particular people, salespeople who have been in something for a long time, and there's a little bit of like, if it's not broken, why fix it? And it's like, well, maybe it could be even better than it is. And we could be closing some larger deals, larger scale, faster, better, stronger. I think complacency is an absolute kick in the pants. Um, So that's one of the particular things that we've just found in making sure for our sales teams that they um, have access to that world-class, those world-class assets and that they're just constantly being analyzed for effectiveness. 
Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting that you mentioned this, especially with uh, uh, tenured salespeople, you know, they, they may have been in the game for a long time, but what has changed nowadays is, is the buying behavior. And, and salespeople don't tend to adjust to that changing buying behavior, depending on what stats you follow. There's a number of, out, uh, of them out there, but uh, on average, there's around 70% of the buying decision has been made before a salesperson is even engaged. So all this stuff that they're doing beforehand, you know, they, they and especially when they've done it for years, that's not necessarily uh, applicable anymore. We need to help to educate the client until they're ready to, to then uh, uh, talk to the sales folks. It's really, really an interesting area there. Um, as part of, um, obviously, a brand positioning, uh, thought leadership is a real important component of that. Um, especially, I would say, in the B2B space, obviously. What, what, what things can salespeople do to contribute to thought leadership, in your, uh, in your opinion? You know, this is one of my favorite topics and one of my most hated topics because (laughs) it's there is you're right. There is so much almost street cred that you get from thought leadership. And Mm. we have worked with and and thought leadership has to be subtle. Nobody likes Mm. the arrogant one. Right. And so we are working through what thought leadership looks like. um, It is I would describe it as multi-platform. So Mm. doing podcasts like this i i love doing things like this there's this putting material out um and getting feedback and essentially a a digital persona um but then also just consistent i think engagement on your social pages there are people that can just thrive in that and they really enjoy it and there are others that don't like it and there are so many advantages to it that it makes it a little bit tricky. You, you pretty much have to engage. And even if it's just on LinkedIn and there's just consistent material getting put out, um, it doesn't take nearly as much time as you would think. And just a commitment to do it, we have started to see a snowball effect. You know, um, we have some clients where based on their social media posts, and we would actually do this intentionally, we would post on social media and tag certain news outlets. And those mm-hmm. news outlets would then reach out to us and ask if the client would like to be interviewed. There's honestly probably a hundred times we've been able to get organic free press based on somebody's Twitter feed or LinkedIn feed or, or a Facebook post where we're able to engage. And for the on the press side of things, I have a lot of respect for them and I don't want them to feel like I'm manipulating them, but we're posting on social media on a different platform to show them, hey, the rest of the population is interested in this. They're engaging with it. And you have a chance to have us on your platform to talk about it further as that thought leader. And so for the press, they're essentially getting someone now for free to engage as an industry expert. Um, and you're getting your point across as a thought leader. Um, there, there are countless different strategies you can do for that organic press reach. Um, and a lot of them involve having a very active social media presence and then just being very bold in your requests and then you're reaching out. Um, there are, I've, I've hosted radio shows for years. I've hosted podcasts for years. Um, and you would be amazed how many times, you know, last minute would be like, crap, we have a cancellation. What are we going to do? Or in three days, um, you know, we need some breaking news on X, Y, and Z. 
or I've had reporters reach out to me and say, Hey, I know you're in this space, but do you know anyone in this space? And mm. I think the world somehow thinks there's this secret organization who coordinates all of this. And it's not, it's just normal people trying to do their job. So reach out, build that relationship, be visible. I actually think most of our clients have almost gotten a little bit more, a little bit uncomfortable with how fast Right. It's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm being asked to be booked for panels. All of a sudden I'm being asked to go fly out to this event and um, engage at this conference. So it's, it's, I think it's a little bit of the concept of like, if you build it, they will come, but you need to be very intentional and ask yourself serious questions. Like what kind of brand do I want to portray? Um, And just making sure you hone in on that and you keep it narrow. Um, There's, you know, some of the most influential people of our time really understood what their brand was and were unapologetic for it. Um, And so that's just something that I I think we can all take for, for note and uh, use throughout, throughout the years. Um, a, a, a term comes to mind uh, when I when I listen to you speak is 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 courage. We refer a lot to it uh, nowadays. Sales conversations needs to have a big element of courage in there for people to really engage in the right way. I feel like that will be a nice term also for you know effective branding and 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 the topics that you're talking about. Is that is that the case? Would you say? Absolutely. I feel mm. like if you're going to do thought leadership or brand or sales, right. you're borderline crazy. Like that takes right. a special person to do that and, and love it. I happen to be one of those insane people. Um, and um, I really, I really do enjoy it because I think genuinely. I'm not able to tell, by the way, not at all. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my, my, my staff teases me to no end about um, I'm, I'm the team hype person and I can't even help it. Like I, I cannot help it. Um, but <laughs> genuinely being whoever you are um, and having the courage to, to do that, um, I think good things will come of that every single time. Um, I've been blessed. There were multiple times where I was sitting there. And I was like, there is no way I'm the best person to talk about this, but I was invited to talk about it and I was invited to engage on it. Um, and it's just because I, th- I think I was there and I had asked, I said I was willing. Um, and that, that's, it worked out for, for the better, but I love, you know, there's those quotes. It's like, it just takes 20 seconds of insane courage. And I feel like that's basically been my entire life. So <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. As long as, as as people do it with a certain authenticity uh, and to really being themselves still, and, uh, and and that's when it comes across believable. You know, there's so much fake stuff out there these days. What what was the new currency the other day? I read the the new the new big currency is irrelevance. The worst thing that can happen is not to be hated anymore. But the worst thing is to be relevant, and uh, it's it's. I, I guess it's a a, um, a a sign of our times at this stage. I have one more question to you. It's uh, uh, it's been really fascinating to talk to you. Uh, what are some of the trends that you're seeing, uh, especially in your field and in the marketing world right now, that that you feel can be applied to salespeople for them to really enhance their effectiveness? I think there's, there's a few, we have, we have trends I think that are here now and trends that I see coming in the next few years. So I'll talk about the trends that are here right now. Um, video is probably what I'm pitching most to fortune 100 companies. Video mm-hmm. companies, 
um, not, you know, bad audio, not, not scripted, not, not organized, good video. Um, because it's just consumed so much. We have all of these apps, the social media, the, you know, SEO algorithms, they will prioritize video. Um, and you will receive millions of views on a video because nobody wants to read anymore. And, and I, I don't mean that derogatory. It's just how the, the world has progressed. Um, so if you do not have adequate videography of yourself, of your brand, of your product, um, you're doing yourself a disservice, particularly on the global scale. You know, for a really long time, you know, nobody could fly anywhere. Um, you can you can have meetings face to face. So we were, we were doing all of this over over video and, and products testing over video. And so I think that's a trend right now. A trend I see in the future that is something that everyone needs to be keeping an eye on is one that I kind of mentioned earlier is definitely this metaverse component and how it will change the sales funnel and the sales interaction. Um, if I would keep an eye on that, I there's news coming out about it every day. I do not believe it is just a fad. I'm very confident that it will continue to grow and develop. Um, and it is going to become something that is absolutely normal. Um, as I've been doing my research, you know, what really shocked me was when Apple said that they would phase out the iPhone by 2032 and they had intentionally right. Every intention that you know, the glasses or VR or whatever it is, I honestly, to, like, honest to goodness, I think they're still trying to figure it out, but they know that's where they're going with it. And right. that is going to change how salespeople can sell. And at this point, it's going to be who could get there the fastest and who can get there the best. It's just, it's, it's just a whole nother wave of opportunity. And so, um, we're keeping a really, really strong eye out on it. And I would recommend everyone do the same. Keep sharp, keep upskilling yourself, stay on the ball. All right, that's the name of the game. Yeah. Sasha, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing these really valuable points of views and insights uh, that you have kindly provided to us. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. My name is Harry Kendelbacher. Visit us at globalperformancegroup.com. Join us on our next episode of the B2B Sales Trends Look after yourselves. Happy selling, everyone. See you soon. Thanks so much, Harry. Have a great day.